Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And welcome back to another episode of the Pensburg Podcast. I am your host, Garrett Bahanna, and as always, alongside me, fellow Pensburg contributor Robbie Noggle. Uh, Robbie, the the tone of the last couple of episodes have not been overly positive, and uh, I have a feeling the tone of this episode will probably carry uh, be similar in nature. But before we dive into that, how have you been since last week's episode? I can't complain too much. Uh, ready to talk some hockey, even if it's not exactly under the best of circumstances. You know, it, it really isn't. And we'll dive right into it because we have another uh, massive mailbag this week. We'll dive right into it, Robbie. Uh, the Penguins remain uh, an underwhelming hockey team. In their last 10 games, as of us recording this podcast, Pittsburgh is 2-6-2, two, and two, and they're losers of two straight games. It's something... We have harped about what seems like for the last month, month and a half. The entire vibe of this team just feels off right now. We, as I've mentioned, have taken rather negative tones towards the Penguins. Their on-ice results have not been impressive. They're a win-one, lose-one, or win-one, lose-two kind of team right now. They don't have serviceable bottom six depth. Uh, some games they're even getting shoddier goaltending than what was expected, especially of Tristan Jari. And apparently he's dealing with some sort of an ailment right now that may be affecting his play. Uh, so I have more or less, Robbie, uh, uh, the question that I've been pondering and the question I have for you is not really a straight question. It's more or less uh, a philosophical question uh, based on the results that the Penguins have given us through the middle of November. What is this team's real identity, and have we already seen it? 
how hot does the stove have to get before you realize you've you've burnt your hand and you can't go back and you're already injured? Are they flat out just a bang average to below average hockey team? And before I hand the mic over to you, friend of the podcast and the Athletics own Josh Yoey posted a tweet the other day after uh, the Penguins' most recent loss to the Toronto Maple Leafs, I believe it was. Since the March 2022 NHL trade deadline, the Penguins have played in 41 games, which is the equivalent of half of a regular season. In those games, they are 16, 20, and 5, which equates to a 74-point pace. And Yoey goes on to note before ending the tweet that this, to him, is red flag territory. With all of this doom and gloom, Robbie, out of the way, Based on the things that you've seen in the last week of Penguin games, what what do you make of this team? It, I mean, are, are we really ready to have the conversation about missing the playoffs in, in mid-November? Or are, are they just biding their time until after the first of the year? What is the makeup of this team? And in, in a very simple way, how, how, how would you fix it? Is there is there a solution? Or is this just what the 2022-23 Pittsburgh Penguins are. Well, I'll definitely agree with uh, Josh Yoey that the red flags are popping up everywhere. There's no uh, denying that at this point. There are some uh, big warning signs flashing uh, right now, and it is up to the Penguins to uh, fix those, those problem areas and get back on track. Now, whether or not that can solely be done with uh, better play, uh, we'll find out, but I don't think the answer is simply just play better uh, because I don't. I, there's still too many gaping holes in this team, in my opinion, that are causing this uh, this rut, this skid that they've been in uh, for the past couple weeks now. Really, since they went out west uh, to Western Canada, and it starts with pretty much we talk about the depth. The depth is just not good enough. The bottom six just not good enough. Defense, um, there's some big-name guys on that defense that are struggling, and the goaltending is, is not there. It's not been there all year, whether it's Tirsten Jari or Casey Smith. Uh, arguably, you could say that Casey Smith has been the better of the two goaltenders, but he even hasn't been uh, that great if you look at uh, his numbers. So now, what does it take to fix it? Man, there's – I mean, I don't even know where to start with that question, really, because – you can only with the roster you have. You can only do so much with. You can only, um, you can only change the line so much. You can only uh, shuffle around the defensive pairings. You only have two really decent, even decent options at goal to go to uh, in this situation to try to fix uh, fix that there. So, from a coaching perspective, Mike Sullivan's hands are kind of tied that way. Um, it's going to be up to Ron Hextall to kind of find a way to make a move if possible to maybe bring in uh, some fresh faces to kind of mix up the lineup. But as we've talked in the past, that is much easier said than done with the position the Penguins are in. And unfortunately, um, that's of Ron Hextall's own making. Uh, Now, playoffs? Yeah, so what is the kind of, uh, I guess cut off for when you start to worry about the playoffs that's a really good question because we just don't know 
you have to figure. I mean, last year, all eight teams in the playoffs in the in the Eastern Conference had at least 100 points. So again, is that going to happen this year? Probably not. But you're still looking at mid to upper 90s as your cutoff for the final wild card spot. So yeah, what's the cutoff for when we could start worrying? I, I think you could start worrying now unless the Penguins go on a can wait to the new year and then go on a 2016 type tear you got to turn it around quick because there's just not a lot of time once that calendar hits 2023 to to make up ground and it's very hard to make up ground with a three-point system uh in play with a two-point and the loser point in play because you have to win games outright you have to hope other teams lose games outright it becomes very difficult to make up a lot of ground um, so one good thing is the Penguins will have a lot of divisional games left uh, in the coming months. So that is a good way to make up ground, but you got to win them games. And right now, the Penguins don't look like a team that can win those games, at least on a consistent basis. They don't look like a team that has the bodies to make a 2016-type run. If you look at that roster, completely different roster than what we're dealing with um, today. The goaltending you kind of had more faith in. Just every yeah, they were younger. They weren't being ground down by the the grind of an NHL season. So I, where's the cutoff? I think you have to start worrying now because it's easy to look at what they did in 2016 and say, oh, they'll just pick it up. It's a completely. I mean, this is we're at six, seven years later at this point. You can't count on uh, streaks like that with a team that's aged that much. That's completely differently built than it was back then, and just so many holes that you can point to throughout this team uh, that need fixing or at least need to improve uh, if the Penguins want to stay in that playoff hunt past, let's say, the All-Star break at the end of January. You bring up a a couple of really good points. Some fans kind of get confused. I think some fans view elite talent almost in like a video game sense, like they're playing the NHL video game. And you think if it's not going well now in November, well, then you'll just, you know, in the video game, you could just, you have control of everything and they'll pick it up. Their skill in the video game will make up for it. And, you know, they'll be in the postseason no problem. Uh, you mentioned consistency. That is, I guess that's the big word that uh, I, I was trying to, uh, trying to get to before I handed the mic over to you, their lack of consistency is concerning. They're seventh in the Metropolitan Division, only ahead of the Columbus Blue Jackets by four points. Granted, the the, the middle of the, the the Metropolitan Division is kind of bunched together. New Jersey is starting to run away with the division after the incredible start that they've been on. But looking at the conference, they are 13th out of 16th in the Eastern Conference, only ahead of Buffalo, Ottawa, and Columbus. Again, I think for the longest time, fans, myself included, had faith that they were an experienced group. They had some of the best players on the planet. They were able to they were able to turn it around, uh, what seemed like on a moment's notice. But that 2015, 16, 17 run was like you said, five, six, seven years ago. And the, the aging curve is real. It, you know, like I said, it's not like the video game where Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin can just keep going and going and going 
at a 95 point pace until they're 40, 41 years old. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. Maybe we're starting to see the beginning of that. Uh, I know Chris Letang has well, Chris Letang has always drawn the ire of a certain subset of Penguins fans, but even now his on ice results and advanced metrics have not been encouraging to start the season. Uh, for, you know, from what I continue to scroll on Twitter and Facebook and see that more and more people say he has to st- start turning the corner soon, or else it's going to be a real concern. Well, there are five or six other concerns that I could think off off the top of my head besides Latang that would start would have me, you know, reaching for the panic button right now. And to the point that you were making, Robbie, when when is when is it too early to realize you start, you know, you're starting to fade out of the playoff picture? Now is the time. I don't know what you do. I really don't because you're hamstrung by the salary cap. Uh, unless you do something out of the ordinary, like place Casper Kapanen on waivers, uh, even send him down to the, the AHL team to get cap relief, maybe that way. Uh, I don't think they're going to trade Jeff Carter. I don't think they're going to trade Brian Dumoulin. They're kind of stuck in the bed that they've made themselves. And that again, goes back to Ron Hextall, like you said. So is there an easy fix? No, I really don't think there is. You know, we're in the middle of November and we've been recording these podcasts for about a month, month and a half now. And maybe the first uh, the first episode that we did was largely positive because they were 4-1-0 or something like that. And now they're 6-7-3, and 2-6-2 in their last 10. And they are just treading water, basically. They're not really making meaningful ground in the Eastern Conference or the Metropolitan Division, for that matter. As we get closer to American Thanksgiving next week, I keep seeing the, the further out you are from a playoff spot by American Thanksgiving, the harder it is going to be to make up that ground with the NHL's current standings system and point system in place. Uh, so I think the, re- the the panic time is is now. As dreary as that is, again, for the longest time, you wanted to think that they had the, the, the scoring power and the, the elite offense to do it, but is the aging curve catching up to one of the oldest teams in the NHL? It just might be. But with that, we're going to switch gears now into our mailbag segment. If you're a first-time listener or a long-time listener and you'd like to contribute to this mailbag segment, you can do so by following our Pensburg Podcast Twitter account. Every week, we'll send out a mailbag tweet asking for your participation in this mailbag segment. We have 10 questions lined up this week. Robbie, as always, you'll get question number one. Question number one comes from Brian. Do you ever think the NHL would do what the NFL does and have its salaries restructured as signing bonuses to create cap space? Is this something you would like to see? Well, if that is something they'd plan, they'd have to wait until at least the next uh, collective bargaining agreement, whenever that's up. So um, I, from what I remember the past uh, few bargaining sessions, I don't believe something like this was ever brought up. Um, by either the NHLPA or the NHL uh, itself. So, um, honestly, I think the NHL has a pretty straightforward uh, contract structure. It's very easy to understand. It's why sites like Cap Friendly uh, can be a huge resource because, like, you can just go look at it. Like, it's very easy to break down. This guy signed a five-year deal for $35 million dollars. The math pretty simple. Yeah, there's some bonuses and stuff that factor in, but when it comes to figuring out the salary cap, it's all pretty just pretty much addition and subtraction. 
Um, so for fans, it's pretty easy to understand. It's pretty straightforward. Uh, obviously, the nitty gritty details are there for the lawyers and the agents to iron out. But I think overall, um, what you have right now at the NHL is a pretty good system. Uh, you have a buyout period where you can get some money off the books. You do have waivers uh, and stuff like that. So it's not the end of the road. Um, or I guess it's not necessarily like an NHL or an NFL situation where you don't have a minor league that you can bury contracts in. Um, I just think that the way the NHL does it right now um, is very straightforward, very easy to understand. And it, it seems to be a pretty good system for how, every, how everything uh, is done. And remember, this salary cap crunch hopefully won't be much longer. Obviously, COVID, if COVID never happens, it's really hard to say uh, what the salary cap is today because they went hard cap uh, for a year or two and then they went just incremental, like a million dollar increases. But that's going to really bounce up uh, once revenues, these revenues of these full seasons are added back in. So hopefully that that gives us some breathing room in terms of salary cap space here in the coming years. Uh, once that is all factored in and that salary cap goes from incremental bump ups to significant uh, increases. Uh, question number two, also from Brian, uh, what ranks would you like to see a game at? Um, Brian says his, his tops are Seattle and Las Vegas. I like both of those and I'm going to steal both of those for uh, my answer. Seattle as a city is on my bucket list to get to. Um, just to experience, I, I just, something about the Pacific Northwest I've always wanted. I've always been intrigued to go there and visit Seattle. So, uh, and knowing what I know about how they've kind of constructed and revamped the old arena that they had into climate pledge arena uh, and using some of the green technology, uh, that's, I'd be really interested to see that with my own eyes and Vegas as well. I mean, some of the stuff I've even seen on Twitter of their pregame ceremonies and inter intermission uh, activities and stuff like that. It just really looks like a real spectacle in Vegas. And why wouldn't it be? It's, it's Las Vegas. I mean, if you're going to have spectacle, you might as well have it in, in a city like Vegas where all the lights are flashing and all the money is lost. So Seattle and Vegas, absolutely. Uh, those are my top two off the top of my head as well. Question number three from Brian. Robbie, do you listen to podcasts or just help produce this one? Uh, no, I listen to podcasts, not just hockey podcasts. I listen to um, history, entertainment. I listen to um, a variety of podcasts, not just this one. Um, yeah, I guess I'm one of those people that I'm at work and I'm an IT guy, which I've mentioned before. But I mean, I have a lot of, I'm going to call it downtime, but a lot of my work's done uh, through a computer screen, um, doing remote assist work and um, so being at a computer all day, I have plenty of time to listen to music or flip on a podcast. Uh, a lot of, uh, I mean, the content out there in today's podcasting sphere is pretty much limitless. Um, so you kind of, if you like something, there's something out there about it. Obviously we are one of what is many penguins podcasts. If you go, uh, and look on your favorite, uh, podcasting uh, service, you can type in Pittsburgh penguins. Uh, hopefully we come up first, but hey, I don't know. Uh, but I mean, there's literally hundreds of Penguins podcasts, Steelers, obviously a Steeler fan. I'm also a Penn State guy. So um, uh, anything history, politics, uh, entertainment, movies, um, stuff like that. Yeah. So I'm definitely a big podcast guy. Uh, and this is actually the only one that I currently 
uh, host or co-host. So, um, uh, yeah, it's fun. Uh, Brian, again, for question number four, uh, thoughts on the Winter Classic jersey being inspired by the 1929 Pittsburgh Pirates, the hockey team, not the baseball team? I thought it was a good idea. Uh, I, I knew the Winter Classic has always been uh, always been one uh, kind of spectacle or event to promote heritage between the two hockey clubs. I, I think I went on record and said earlier in the season we had a mailbag question uh, about I think it was about the Robo Penguin and where the Penguins might go from here with other different jersey designs. I thought the Winter Classic would harken back to the 60s, something in the late 60s with uh, a little bit of blue thrown in there. Uh, as a history buff myself and sports history buff, I really dig that. I don't know if the P, the letter P that they have released, I don't know if that's going to be uh, like the center logo on the center of the jersey or if there's going to be... Uh, some sort of like the 1929 pirate, I believe had uh, uh, a pirate head logo, not similar to the baseball team, but they had their own version of a, of a buccaneer head or a pirate head, whatever you want to call it. So I don't know if the P is just going to be all the marketing they do, uh, or if they're going to eventually unveil something along those lines, having like a, a pirate head with the letter P as like a shoulder patch or something like that. But uh, I like it. I, I like the callbacks to the deep roots of hockey history here in Pittsburgh and for all the other teams in who have played in the winter classic Boston is, is no different Chicago, no different. So, um, yeah, it, it, it gets two thumbs up for me, especially with Pittsburgh's, uh, deep, but sometimes unknown hockey history. Yeah. I took a quick gander on Google here real quick. And it's basically, uh, a yellow that I would attribute to the, it looks like a brighter yellow, not like a Pittsburgh gold. Uh, and it says a script pirates, two bars going across the chest and the arms. The P, the pirates is like on the top above, like right below the neckline. The P is in like the center of the chest. And on each shoulder, there is a uh, logo of the Pittsburgh seal, uh, the city seal on each arm. So that'll be something to keep an eye out for. I think it could be a very interesting looking Jersey. Um, and it's nice that they're honoring more of a, um, a even longer back legacy that predates the Penguins by almost half a century. That's a good point. I didn't even think about the Pittsburgh um, city seal that they could, yeah, they could put that on there too and incorporate that in somewhere uh, in their Jersey too. That's a good point. I really like that idea. Uh, I hope, I hope we see something like that too. Uh, when the full Jersey gets unveiled, whenever that will be, it's gotta uh, be soon. I mean, yeah, it has to. That be. game's I mean, like seven weeks away, six yeah, weeks away. Yeah, I mean, we're so, running out of time. Before yeah. we, it's uh, we're recording this a month from Thanksgiving, so or a week from Thanksgiving. So I mean, I, you got to think that jersey's coming out here within uh, probably. I'd say no later than the beginning of the the beginning of December. Yeah, because I'm sure the league and the teams want to have that on store shelves for the holiday too. Absolutely, you know? yeah. They want so, people wearing it at the game and stuff. Yeah. Ex yeah, exactly. So yeah, that's, that's another good point where, yeah, where is the, where is the, uh, where are the jerseys? Where, where's the full uniform reveal? I, yeah, where is it? It's not here yet. Uh, question number five from Brian, Robbie, who is on your personal hockey Mount Rushmore? I have Wayne Gretzky, Mario Lemieux, Sidney Crosby, and Marty. Now, Mar is it Marty Brodeur? I, I, I think there's a couple of different Martys in hockey, so you could go a couple of different ways. Uh, 
He didn't, uh, Brian didn't clarify. So is it Marty Brodeur or another different Marty? But the question still stands, Robbie, who is on your personal hockey Mount Rushmore? I would guess that's Marty Brodeur. That's the only Marty I can think of, unless this guy's a really hardcore Marty St. Louis fan. Yeah, um, yeah I was thinking the so, same thing. Um, but yeah, so per, now, is this just like, now, is this personal like people that I like, or is this like greatest hockey players of all time? So that's where I have to differentiate there because if I'm going greatest hockey players of all time, I think your standard's pretty much going to be like Mario, Gretzky, Howe, and like Orr. But if I'm going with it, I'm going to say Mario. I'm going to go with Dominic Hasek. Ooh, interesting. Oh, boy. There's so many. I mean, I've been watching hockey so long. If we're going with guys that I just thoroughly enjoyed watching play hockey, I would have to go Mario. Hashik, probably Sid, and then, man, that last spot could go to a bevy of different talents. I'm going to go with, give me Nick Lidstrom. That's so, a really, that's a really yeah, different so, Mount Rushmore. Not what the hell wasn't expecting that. Yeah, Mario, I grew up watching Hashik. like, I saw him in person, um, I grew up, I mean, I grew up with Brodeur as well, and Wah. Hashik was a different kind of freakazoid in goal. Uh, so, yeah, if you were blessed to grow up watching Prime Dominic Hashik, um, congrats to you. But I'm going to go with Mario, Sid, Hashik, and give Nick Littrum. That's just a personal preference. Wayne Gretzky, if I really look at it, if Wayne Gretzky was more of my um, very youth. I mean, he retired in 99. Um 99, 2000. So a lot of that was more of my youth, whereas Mario, Sid, Hashik, and uh, Litchrum are more of my core, like after 2000, when I was a little more cognizant of the game and stuff like that. Uh, Brendan, uh, switching up here a little bit. Number six from Brendan. The Northeast United States has so many teams. What is the catchment reach for Penguins fans as the dominant NHL team? If anybody has a definition for that word, uh, go ahead and send it to us. <laughs> when I when I was uh, caught when I was copying and pasting the tw- the the questions from the mailbag, I saw this and I I was I was thinking the same thing. I'm, I've never heard somebody use catchment reach in a sentence before. I think what he what Brendan's getting at is how far does the the Penguins fandom travel within the, within the northeastern United States? Because yeah, that's what it looks. That's kind of what he's getting at that's not the uh, definition of it but that's what he's getting at so looking i think i think from pennsylvania from a pennsylvania perspective anything i'd say anything west of harrisburg is probably penguins country uh i think the penguins will reach up into erie and maybe into very very southern portions of new york i think they will probably get a large portion of uh eastern ohio they probably get all of west virginia uh, maybe a little bit of uh, Virginia itself, maybe uh, that tiny little like Deep Creek, Maryland area. Uh, the Penguins probably get uh, some some decent watching from there as well. But yeah, everything is so bunched up. I'm looking at a map right now of you know where the teams are structured. The you have the Blue Jackets, the Capitals, the Flyers, the Rangers and Islanders. Uh, am, am I? 
the Devils, uh, I mean, at on the very eastern side, uh, next to Pennsylvania, there are so many teams just... But at the same time, the, the northeastern part of the United States is probably the most populous, the most populated, densely populated area of the entire country, I'd have to bet. So that's why there are so many teams sort of bunched together in this little section of the country. But yeah, parts of Ohio, West Virginia, parts of Virginia, the Deep Creek, Maryland area, everything west of west of Harrisburg into Erie and maybe southern, very southern portions of New York. Question number seven from Brendan. Robbie, who are your Hall of Fame choices for this year? I need to see Cujo and Mogilny. Yeah, Mogilny is definitely uh, the one I would easily pick right away because he's been, I just saw it the other day, he's on season like 14 um, or 15 right now waiting to get in. And all, basically, if you ask anybody that follows the NHL, anybody that's familiar with the Hockey Hall of Fame, they say that it's long overdue to get him into the Hall of Fame. He's been waiting for way too long given guys that have gotten in uh, before him uh, or over him. He definitely is um, the most deserving candidate out there. This will be his 14th year on the ballot. So yeah, we'll start with Alexander Mogilny. Um He was a thorn on the penguin side, but Henry Lundqvist is going to get in this year. Um, his resume, he doesn't have a cup. He did go to a final, which he pretty much carried that Rangers team to in 2014. Um, he has the Veznas, he has the wins. He's getting in uh, first ballot easily. Um, after that, it gets very interesting. There's a bunch of names that people might look at and be like, oh, he should be in, he isn't in already, or, or borderline cases. Uh, but I'm going to go, and this might be a little bit biased of selection, but I'm going to say Sergey Gonchar. Um, he's been waiting a, lot, a while now. He's over five years. This will be his sixth year on the ballot. Uh, so I think that... Um, uh, he he at least deserves a very hard look at whether or not he actually gets in or not. Uh, so I'm going to say Hank Mogilny and Sergey Gonchar is my top three uh, for the NHL Hall of Fame or the Hockey Hall of Fame uh, this upcoming uh, season. Uh, question number eight, again from Brendan. Uh, current TV show binges. Uh, I'm getting ready to start season five of The Crown on Netflix. I haven't mm. started it yet. And right now, I am in love with Andor on Disney Plus, but outside of that, see, I'm not a huge TV watcher. I mean, there, there's a couple of things like the Rings of Power on Amazon Prime Video. I've been telling myself I wanted to start watching it, and I just like I just haven't gotten around to it. I think eventually I will, but um, there's not a whole lot of like appointment viewing for me. I'm a mm -hmm. huge Star Wars fan, so basically anything that Disney Plus puts out, I'll probably watch it. But that that's about it for me. Robbie, what about you? Yeah, not much for me either right now. I guess I should probably watch Andor. Um, they said it's phenomenal, so I'll have to put that on my list. Um, a Star Wars, obviously, shoot off if you're familiar with the universe, uh, as you mentioned, on Disney Plus. Um, but yeah, pretty much uh, not too much right now, honestly. Um, again, not a huge TV guy. Uh, at least shows wise, but I'll eventually find something I like and watch it and um, stuff like that. But I do a lot of times go back to stuff that I've watched previously in the past because I, I just want to rewatch it again. 
All right. Question nine from Brandon. What is your stick of choice? For me, it's Sherwood PMP 5030. Nowadays, a 7,000 as a 175-pound man. And he's not. A, he's a 175-pound <laughs> man and not a 150-pound boy. Uh, I don't play ice hockey, so I don't really have a stick of choice. Uh, you know what? Just, I, yeah, I agree. Be, yeah, I don't have a stick of choice. Um, I have some just sticks I use if I play pickup somewhere they're nothing fancy they're just um uh like six i bought at a local sporting goods store they're just uh i think they're wood even um yeah nothing uh, i can't really chime in on that because i don't play ice so i can't really give you a uh, a solid answer to what my preferable stick uh would be if i were to play ice hockey if I did play ice hockey, because I don't as well, if I did, I'd want to follow the Phil Kessel route. Give me the stick with the most flex. Mm. I just want that thing to bend, uh, be as flexible as possible, because I know I would have an elite wrister. I'm just kidding. I probably don't. But, yeah, I don't play ice hockey either, so uh, I, I can't really answer the question. But, Robbie, uh, finish us off. Question number 10. Question number 10, uh, this will go, this is from Tony Nakunin. Casper uh, Kapanen for uh, Jesse Pujarvi in a trade? Uh, you know what? Jesse, it feels like Jesse Pujarvi has been in constant trade rumors. It feels like for, what, three seasons now? Uh, he hasn't really lived up to that top five billing. He was drafted fourth overall in the 2016 draft. Really hasn't put up all the greatest numbers? Uh, right now, even the, through 17 games this season, he has a goal and two assists, three points. He's a minus seven, which is not good for someone who you probably rely on. Maybe it's one of those cases. He's only 24 years old, so he still has really his entire athletic prime ahead of him. Maybe it's one of those cases where he gets out of Edmonton and a change, a change of scenery trade. I've seen people talk about trading for Puyo Yarvi going back to the draft because there were rumors going around that the Oilers would take like a third round pick for him. I don't know if that's still the case now, but uh, given where the Penguins are, I don't know Puyo Yarvi. I think he makes, okay, he has a $3 million cap hit. Uh, I don't know how the Penguins would make it work, but given the change of scenery, uh, I, I would welcome a Puyo Yarvi trade to Pittsburgh, especially for Kasperi Kapanen. I don't think, I don't think Edmonton would do that straight up. But in the parameters of the question that's being asked, yes, I would do that trade. I would ship Kapanen elsewhere and see if Puyarvi would do better, maybe alongside a Malkin or a Crosby, and see if that kind of ignites him in his play that he hasn't really been able to do while in Edmonton. All right, that is going to do it. We wrap up the mailbag, and that wraps up this edition of the Pensburg Podcast. Uh, next week is American Thanksgiving. And uh, as such, Robbie and I will have the week off and hopefully we'll be stuffing our faces with some delicious food and watching the Detroit Lions lose their their yearly tradition. Mm-hmm. That is their Thanksgiving football game. But we will be back in two weeks time. And over the span of that two weeks, I'm sure there's going to be a heck of a lot more uh, Penguins content and Penguins news to dissect and talk about. Hopefully they turn it around a little bit to give us something more positive to talk about than the same old thing. Is this team broken? What is this team's identity and how do you fix it? But until then, uh, I have been Garrett Bahanna for Robbie Noggle. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Pensburg podcast, and we will see you in two weeks for a brand new episode of the podcast.